What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing, plus all of our other podcasts over at blisterreview.com. And before we get going, I want to be sure you are aware that we have officially dropped on our website the pre-order for our print edition of our 2021 Buyer's Guide. I gotta say, this is our, I think it's our sixth Buyer's Guide. We keep getting better and better at this, you know, more reps. This book is impressive. I think we keep getting even more dialed in terms of our product comparisons. And I just don't believe you can find anywhere else on earth more nuanced and actually accurate and genuinely useful product reviews in a very digestible form here. You know we can do the long form thing and go for 7,000 words talking about a ski or a boot. But in this buyer's guide, we go to the digestible number, 150, 160 words. And I'm kind of proud. Uh, Lou Coppa's been killing it, working super hard, getting input from the entire squad. And so, yeah, you should get this thing, one, because it's good, and two, you know, support the effort. Let's keep this thing going. But you can order our buyer's guide on our website. We have it currently offered at a discounted pre-order price. So this is the time to pick it up. The other thing is, if you are not already an active Blister member, that is honestly a phenomenal way to also support the work here we're doing at Blister. And you get a copy of the print guide included with that. And you get some excellent deals on some different services at some of our recommended shops. You also get access to all of our flash reviews and our deep dive comparisons. Those are crazy valuable. And there are some exclusive deals from some ski companies and bike companies, that kind of thing. So in sum, become a Blister member. That would make us very happy. Or at a minimum, go order that print buyer's guide makes for a very nice coffee table book that you will probably refer to again and again for the next 12 months. Okay, today I am talking with Sebastian Steinbach, the founder of Black Sheep Sports in Munich, Germany. We've actually had Sebastian on Gear 30 before. It was actually episode number six of Gear 30, but you can check that one out. Sam Shaheen sat down with Sebastian at the Black Sheep Sports Shop in Munich, and they recorded that conversation a few years ago. So we were definitely long overdue to get Sebastian back on the show and get his perspective on a whole number of topics. We go deep on some stuff and talk about some really fundamental, critical issues in the whole sort of ski community and snow sports world. So this is a good one, worth your time, and Sebastian always brings a good perspective. And so with that, let's get to my conversation with Sebastian Steinbach. Well, Sebastian, how are you today and where are you today? Hey, Jonathan, good to be on the show again. Um, I'm sitting here in Munich in my shop, Black Sheep Sports. Actually, I'm in the office. It's a little corner in our shop. Um, I'm surrounded by tons of boxes of ski boots. And uh, yeah, we just uh, wrapped up our second day of the season and uh, yeah, 
happy and stoked to be on the podcast today. Well, it's great to have you back on. You know, we've kind of had our email exchanges and things, but I couldn't believe that it had been like December 2017 since you were first on Gear 30. And I was like, okay, we need to we need to remedy this immediately. And and I'm really psyched on the timing here. Like you literally just opened Black Sheep Sports, your ski shop in Munich two days ago, right? T today wrapped up day number two? Today wrapped up day number two, that's right. So we uh, do exist since uh, 10 years. Next week on the 7th of October, we, are, we will have our 10 years anniversary. We are running in our 11th winter season. And uh, as you know, we are um, strictly winter shops, so we are closed over summer. Um, so that means um, giving a little outlook. So we did not sell any bikes this summer. No, <laughs> wait a second. Be well, you didn't sell any bikes, but that's because you don't sell bikes at Black Sheep. That's Is because that we don't sell bikes. Yes. And so that means we, um, we did not really participate on the uh, great outdoor boom of the summer. But we are super, super happy uh, that we have survived summer. We are back in business since yesterday. And uh, we already had some um, appointments running for boot fittings. And it's just so great, again, to talk to customers again about skiing, about our passion. And uh, it's, yeah, it has been a tough summer, but we are back in business. I think people are going to be curious to hear. Tell us a little bit about, you know, these first two days. I mean, it sounds like spirits were high. Did it feel like particularly tricky just logistically doing things like boot fitting or has that so far gone maybe more smoothly than one might imagine? Um, actually, um, I've never been so stressed or so tensed before a season since 10 years. So uh -huh. 10 years ago in 2010, when I opened the shop, I, I, I still can remember like I got actually sick before we opened the shop and I had to take painkillers and I just survived with painkillers and tons of Red Bull just to stay in the shop at the opening day because I was so freaking nervous that I got sick actually. And um, this year, of course, um, because all, all the thing that is happening right now in the whole world uh, of the pandemic, it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it was difficult to give a forecast for the season. And uh, the last weekend, and especially on Monday, gosh, I was so, I was so strained, uh, stressed out. Just, I just couldn't wait till the shop was open because then the dices were, were thrown, so, so to say. And yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be back. And uh, it's, it's difficult. It's different than in the last 10 years. Um, the only thing that's not changed is the talk to the customers and talking about boots and skis. It's just a, a feeling within yourself that's totally pat-forced or yeah, strange this time. <laughs> Say just a word for those who might not be familiar. Um, tell us a little bit about Black Sheep Sports and how you know this isn't necessarily your run-of-the-mill European ski shop. Yeah. So, um, Black Sports got established in 2010 as a pure freeride skiing ski shop. And in 2010, as we know, freeride skiing from a modern, modern perspective was still super in a niche. And uh, a couple of years later, there was not anymore the niche. All the big shops, like 
in Europe, everyone started to get into freeride skiing, wider skis and every, everything. All the big brands already had those skis at that time, uh, like 2014, 15, etc. Um, but in the first two, three years, everyone was looking at us like, huh, they really opened up a freeride store. That's maybe not going to work out the way what they are thinking. And I, it's just a little anecdote. When I went into my first trade show, Actually, a bunch of those guys asked me if I even have money. So um, that's just a, a fun thing. But um, we got older. The shop got older. Um, we yeah merged more into let's say like a free ride touring shop. That's what we are. What's what's the what's the soul of our shop right now? And that's what we do as as the people who work in the shop. So number one reason to come to our shop is looking at a cool ski wall. Reason number two to come to our shop since uh, a couple of years is the boot fitting segment. Boot fitting is actually also the reason I would definitely say why we are still here. Since four seasons, we are totally booked out every season from early October till mid of end of January because end of January are mostly sold out of boots and then it's just working on boots that are already bought. But yeah, boot fitting and primarily like hybrid boots, boots with pins or everything that's dedicated towards backcountry. Um, that's where like, like our boot fitting roots are. Of course, boot wise, um, most of the team guys are coming from the gates. So um, we also have since two years, a little nice uh, race department running. And uh, that's something that's growing. It's maybe something that might not uh, grow too good this winter season. But um, um, yesterday, fun fact, first boot we sold was an Alpine boot. And um, today, second boot was an Alpine boot without pins. The third boot we sold um, uh, since we opened was actually a pin boot. Huh. But yeah, boot fitting and people will really uh, appreciate the work we do. That's what 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 everyone actually tells us, and they um, literally drive up to three four hours to get to our shop, and that's a cool thing. And that developed over the years, and uh, it took, of course, for the whole crew a lot of work to get better in everything. And uh, for example, for myself, I'm I got trained over the last eight years at the MasterFit University. I'm also a trainer for the CEDAS uh, Fitting Academy in Austria. It's always fun when a German comes to Austria and tries to tell the Austrians about ski boots. <laughs> uh, but that's a different story. And uh, yeah, boots and, and skis. And um, as you know, uh, our ski selection is a little bit different from the most of the normal shops in Europe. Um, that's just, uh, of course, on the one side, we, we can't play the game against the, uh, the big shops. And on the other side, we just love skis. So uh, it was always a thing to get the best looking and best skiing skis in our shop and um yeah that's what we are still trying to um do uh, till the day i can definitely attest to your own personal love of skis because we were actually going to record this conversation like two days ago but i failed to tell you to have like some headphones 
on hand. And <laughs> yes. so instead, you and I just talked about skis for, I don't know, like an hour and a half. An and, hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we're like, well, well, okay, cool. I'll talk to you in a couple of days uh, and we'll record this conversation. So when Sebastian says he has a love of skis, I assure you it is genuine. And uh, I am very caught up on uh, his ski preferences and the brands he's kind of intrigued by at the moment. So you're not going to get that conversation here today, uh, maybe another time. But I really want to, I mean, I really want to get your thoughts on this coming season. But before we get there, I really want to get your take a bit on this past season and what it was like operating, you know, a shop in Germany, in Europe, as the whole COVID wave kind of came into play. We, we really have talked about this primarily from a kind of perspective in the United States. And so tell us a little bit about how this last season went for you guys. When I rem- like think back on the last season, there's this, this this conversation I had on on, on Espo. So Espo is a trade show over here in Europe. I, I bet a lot of listeners uh, heard about that trade show before. It's um, um, yeah, it's similar to SA or outdoor retailer. And um, yeah, we are. It actually sounds so stupid now after all the lessons we we had to learn over the last uh, half year. So we were actually we were so stupid. We were making fun about. Yeah, you heard about the thing in China. It, it, it will be pretty over soon, and and we were actually making plans about where to go uh, uh, skiing steep stuff in, in in late March and early April. We were talking about with friends where we can go on missions in the end of the season, where when the shop is is is, is on low tide and we don't have too much work. And then um, during February, and we actually had a very good run last season. Um, we were again booked out. We had good deals with with skis, and in, in like the, the last part of the season, we actually also had 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 good snow in Europe and good weather all the time. And then during February, you saw something hefty coming coming towards you, and you thought, "Huh, that's that's doesn't does not look that good." And um, yeah, to cut it down a bit, on the fifteenth of March, uh, all ski resorts, like like ninety percent of the ski resorts in in Europe, and within another two days, a hundred percent of the ski resorts in Europe had to shut down from one moment to another. And um, the big difference, uh, what what happened over here, especially in in, in Austria and in and in Germany, uh, two days after the ski resorts were shutting down, we all went in a real lockdown, and that meant. We had to close our operations, our shops, and uh, the borders were closed for us we're here in Munich. We are living close to the Austrian border. We love to go skiing in Austria uh, because the mountains in Germany are not so high, and so it's always better to, to, to go over to Austria. It's from the place where I live. It's just a 45-minute, and you're already in Austria. And so we had to stay home like like most people in the world. And there was no shopping anymore. So there was not that last glimpse of hope for skiers. Oh, I can still go ski touring and I just need a ski touring, a backcountry setup now. And it doesn't matter what, or what it costs. So that did not happen over here. I know this is something... Uh, good luck. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy that there are shops like like shops in the U.S. that could still sell for at least a week or two weeks, and and I, and I know from a couple of ones that I know that they had a good time uh, at least 
Yeah, it's 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 not paying back or giving back what happened the weeks after. But um, for us, it was a sudden end. It was like a sudden death to the season. And we were all sitting there on the 15th of March looking at each other and said, damn it, uh, what are we going to do now? It's, it's, we're not allowed to go anywhere now. And um, so like a, a, a big time in Europe is still is also the Eastern skiing around the Eastern holidays. Um, ski resorts um, are shutting down after the, after the holidays on, on Eastern. Most, most of them in Europe. And it's a pretty big thing with your family and friends or whatever to go skiing around that time. And, and to be honest, l- late March, early April, it's, it's a cool time to go skiing. And so that all did not happen. And um, yeah, and for, from a business perspective, and uh, it's, it's always a little bit difficult when you have so much passion in your profession that you also have to think about the business side. It, 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 to be honest, it, it was a nightmare. And and it, it was difficult, and um, I was lucky enough in March to yeah, pull it out of my head a bit, and still in April and, and everything, but May, June, July, and as you know, we are only opened in the winter months for seven months in a row, and then we are shutting down for summer. Um, it was not easy for the head, but that's, again, that's why we are happy to be back on duty. First of all, what are you hearing or what are you guessing or predicting about the ski resort scene in Europe this winter? Um, that's a good question because uh, that's something where I'm working my head around since, I guess, like at least two weeks. Uh, fun fact for everyone in the U.S., I know more about your ski resorts than about the resorts in Europe. And that's actually crazy. So kind of, kind of the Austrians or at least, let's say the Austrians, it's, I don't uh, um, w- want to call them out, but at least most of the ski resorts still think that they might have kind of a regular season. That means, of course, après ski, and you guys know that's a big thing over here, that's done. That won't happen this season. But on the other side, um, there's no... Like most of the resorts have no like pre-booking system, or that you have to book your ticket for the se- for for the weekend. Um, so you can book your ticket online, just to don't have too long waiting times when you when you when you stay at the cashier. But the only thing they said so much is that they're going to run the trams and chairlifts faster. And of course, you have to wear a mask when you're staying uh, at the chairlift or at the tram, and you have to wear a mask when you're inside of the building, at the restaurants and everything. But so far, they think or they try to, beside the opera ski thing, um, which, which, which might be a huge effect for, for, for some people, to be honest, not that much for me, um, but... Um, that just won't happen. But the rest, they have, um, or they think that the season's going to be quite normal. That's what they, what they try. But one thing, for example, um, we um, who live, for example, in Germany, and I do live in Munich, uh, right now, um, two states in Austria got set from the German CDC um, on um, 
um, like on a list that when you go there and it's for example Tyrol, which is made for skiing wise maybe the most important state in Austria, and when you're there for longer than forty eight hours, you have to go to quarantine. And that news just popped up Friday night. For me, four days before I opened the shop, that was not good for the brain. Actually, I was a big, uh, and uh, on Saturday, lucky us, uh, the governments from both countries said, yeah, but it's cool when you come for 48 hours. So um, expectations are always high for a season. They have to be high uh, because you have to have a goal somehow. Um, but um, it's, 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 it's difficult to say what the season is going to look like. Um, it's, I, I don't see the super big backcountry boom coming towards Europe. And that might be because we are still a race continent where our origins are, are race skiing and like carving skis, peace skiing, um, everything within the ski resort. It's, it's, it's still much bigger over here. Um, of course, you, when you go to a ski resort, the, the off-paced everything you can reach from a chairlift, everything is tracked out also in Europe within hours. Yeah, But that's just because of the products you can buy today. And everyone has the possibility to, to, to do that. But as soon as you need to use some skins or some boot packing, um, you, 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 can, you, you can find something good. Um, so if do we have a backcountry boom coming towards Europe? That's that's a tough one right now. Which just say that um, you will maybe like shops like us who are already doing this, and that's like the the, the main thing we are selling. I say maybe ten percent, fifteen percent more sales uh, within that category for like uh, general sport shops. They maybe just sold uh, carving skis before, and they are now picking up uh, like super easy going touring skis. For 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 those shops, it, it 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 might be a boom because they never sold those uh, that stuff before. But um, um, you also have to think about Europe space wise. Yeah, so uh, our back country has not the size of your back country, and uh, that's a fun thing. A lot of like like Europeans, like skiers from 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 Germany, Austria, whatever. They dream about skiing in the U.S. And you guys, when I talk to like like you or people or friends from 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 the U.S. who are skiers, they always say, "Oh, I need to go to the, to the Alps. That's so cool, steep stuff. The mountains look different, and that's that's just like a whole different atmosphere and everything." And for us, it's the whole it's the same way, just that we think about uh, <laughs> your, your resorts or your backcountry. It's 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 interesting. That makes sense about, you know, there maybe is less really good, relatively quick access to backcountry skiing in Europe. Like, I, I hear you on that front. I am a little surprised that you don't think that this could lead. I mean, there's so many passionate skiers in Europe, obviously. You don't expect a larger uptick into some of them saying or thinking, well, I guess this is the time when I finally do start trying to take a look at and, you know, maybe get into this whole backcountry ski scene that I certainly have been seeing and hearing about 
So I'm not telling you you're wrong. I just, I guess I'm a little surprised. It's, 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 it's the same. I'm, I'm, I'm just not, not, not really uh, convinced about that this is going to happen because uh, we, we see uh, that the whole segment is growing since a couple of years. Um, and um, Europe is still a little bit divided uh, from the perspective when you when you talk about touring skis, um, how wide a touring ski, for example, should be, or um, there is still like different, let's say, like 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 tribes, or uh, uh, um, yeah, um, that that for, there are those people who say like eighty five millimeter and a foot, that's touring ski, it should that be wider, and then there is uh, this category of people who say a touring ski has to be between ninety five and uh, one hundred five underfoot, um, but um, we are. Towards this, we are very conservative, um, and um, in Europe, still weight goes over performance sometimes, and uh, this is something what we in our shop not try to follow up with, uh, because from our perspective, uh, performance always stands before everything else, uh, because the product has to work and not just has to be like uh, super light, uh, because um, if you're not in shape, you don't need a carpet stuff. Yep. Just get in shape first, and then you can buy lighter equipment. Um, but um, it always also depends on how how the winter season um, regarding snowfalls is going to look like. Yeah, if if we if we if we are getting a good winter uh, with a good snowpack, and uh, maybe for example borders are open you're you're free to travel but uh people maybe think about resort skiing that's just ah that that's not good for them or they think that's too difficult and they have to follow too many rules that can lead maybe to a, a growth within uh, the segment of of, of of backcountry or touring skis Definitely, like for example, we have a very huge segment. It's the rental, uh, the market. The whole rental ski market is very huge in Europe, and uh, this will definitely be something they will they will lose customers this winter because uh, the party customer who's just coming uh, for like three days uh, partying, not really skiing, that won't really happen. Um, that we are going to see a large scale up in 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 in. in People who are going touring, I'm 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 not sure that we're. So, it's it's always the perspective. I I, I bet uh, a lot of other shops will tell you in, th in three months from uh, from Europe. Oh, we we definitely have a boom. We're selling so many. Um, for for us, where like eight out of ten bindings is already a pin binding. Um, is if we would sell like two or three pairs more per week. Um, Fine. That's 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 that, that will that will be a, a cool thing, but um, on the other side, it's always who can benefit from a boom. Is it the big guys who have the marketing power and the money power who can offer good deals, or is it also the specialized shop, the core shops, the little ones? Um, and um, we we just know boot wise, we will definitely um, yeah be a part of the game because. Um, we are self-confident enough to know that uh, we, we are good with our boots. Let's do a bit of a topic change here. I want to talk about some gear. And so first question, like what, I don't know, what gear topics or issues have you been thinking about the most maybe over this past summer, right? As you have been thinking about reopening or having to think about placing your own orders or or whatever. What what have you been thinking about the most just when it comes to 
gear topics? That's a good question, Jonathan. So when I when we were sure that our upcoming winter season will be uh, a different one, a tough one, a difficult one, just however you want to call it, I knew that we have to change something, but maybe offer more service around our products that than we already do. Because I was just asking myself, hmm, is every customer feeling okay and coming to the shop at all the time? Yeah. Or how are you going to get the customer into the shop? For example, boot-wise, we are only doing appointments. So you have to have an appointment to, to get your boots. Even a boot talk is, is done by appointment in our shop because we want to guarantee on a one-on-one discussion with the customer that he, he or she is getting the right product, especially with boots. For, from, from my perspective, there's nothing more important than a ski boot. Um, so I was where I was making uh, uh, like my, my head around is, so how can we offer more service? And that just led to, okay, we need a catalog this year. We need to, it's not just because we are running in our 11th season and we have a 10 years anniversary. Uh, it, it was just the thing. We need to offer more information around the stuff we are doing than we ever did. Um, because I think, especially in this season, people, for example, in, in, in Germany, there are still a lot of people sitting in home office, and so they have maybe some time, and of, of course, they will never tell their boss that they're uh, sitting uh, or uh, visiting the Blister website or Blackship <laughs> Sports and checking out new products, uh, but I expect that they're doing this all the time. <laughs> um, so we're doing a catalog. We're doing a lot of like product reviews uh, on, on, on Instagram and, and, and YouTube and just like showing which guy, like which guy in the shop is, is using which product and why they're using it. Just more information and more service for the customer that we ever did before. Um, because if, 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 if I, if the customer has the opportunity to clear a lot of questions or get a good feeling before he or she is visiting the shop. Um, that just sounded to me, okay, this is something what, what we shall do and we have to do. Um, because it's, 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 we are a small shop. Yeah. It's not a big one where you can like maybe hide for other people and, and get around easily and uh, around other people. So our shop is around 150 square meters. We can right now let seven customers into the shop. So we need to plan everything very, very carefully. And another thing gear wise is that um i'm i'm I, when i talked to the team i said everyone in the shop guys we need to be aware of this season everything we sell of course in the past we already also wanted to hit it 100 percent right but in this season um it's different people don't want to come every time back to the shop mm. just to mm-hmm. get a little things done so we need to be better than we've ever been um, and that means with the the help for the right decision for the product, it doesn't matter if it's a binding, a ski, a boot, or some some safety equipment. Um, we have to explain the product better, so we have to educate better, we have to clinic better. And I'm with my team. I'm really setting the bar for this season. I've never set the bar that high. But it has to be this way from my perspective. And uh, because I just, 
maybe I'm just maybe I'm making I'm I'm thinking too much about it. I want to make sure this season that it's it's the customer are even happier than they ever have been with us. That's really interesting. I had not really been thinking about that. Like you know, lots of people every time you have to make a trip to the grocery store or something, right? It's there is a new element of it is just not the same as it maybe used to be. And so, you know, I've definitely had those shop experiences where you, you, you hear, or you see a technician say like, here you go. If it's not right, just bring it back in. We'll take care of you. And it's like, um, actually to your point, if we can dial everything in first time, if that can happen, or at least just to make sure we're not doing things like forgetting to set the din on a binding or something, right? For a customer, that that actually will add up and probably make people feel more comfortable um, that, you, that you're not just kind of either wasting their time or asking them to make multiple trips when we're in a season of, you know, venturing out into public all the time isn't exactly something a lot of people are trying to do. Yeah, that's uh, totally the right thing. It's just you don't want to feel or think the customer that we are, as you just said, wasting their time uh, because it's all like scheduled out. Um, they they want to be here on time. They want to get out on time. Um, and um, yeah, we are located within the city. And then, of course, a lot of customers coming r- around from the suburbs or they are driving to, to our shop. And um it's, you, you, you can see like the shopping behavior right now changed a bit and um, and uh, we are not really running an online shop um, you, you we have a website you can look at the products we are selling but um, if you want to get something you you have to get the phone in your hands or, or write an email so you have to get in touch with us um, because in 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 the end we're trying to be that old school brick and mortar shop that 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 that's making their their point with a direct talk to the customer. In in the in the end, that's the only way how how we can stay like system relevant somehow. I know I'm not a grocery grocery store or a, a gas station, but um, I think as a ski shop, you, you're kind of system relevant, <laughs> and um, and. Um, so we we need to break the ice for the customer that they know. Okay, cool. The guys at the shop they're doing everything for the safety and they are prepared. Uh, they are ready with the product, and I'm sure, um, or I'm ex- mostly sure that that I don't have to come again, 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 again. Uh, of course, when you do a custom boot, that won't work out with one try most of the time. You have to adjust things because you want to get a perfect fitting custom boot. So this is not going to happen with one appointment. But um, with everything else, um, more asking uh, asking the customer what he or she really wants, um, getting more information, and then selling the product that fits um, the needs and not maybe that fits what they want to have. And that might be way more important because people want to have fun and they are investing in, um, in our previous discussions uh, on the phone, we talked about all like all the, the bike boom and the general outdoor boom in the, in the, in the summer. So people are already in still investing money in uh, their passion of outdoor sports. So f- then for the whole industry, it's super important that we 
don't make the make them make our customers mad of us because they should be happy with the service uh, the industry is offering and they should be happy with the product uh, they got uh, uh, sold by the industry. And uh, I think this is for all the shops a very important thing this season, um, not just selling stuff. This is a really interesting question, and it's um, every shop out there faces this, and I think the really good shops take this very seriously and and are good at addressing this. But this whole idea that right, a customer walks in, their friend told him this is the best ski boot ever, so they come in and they're like, I want to get this boot. And when you just mentioned this whole notion of sort of the difference sometimes between what a customer might want and what actually is going to serve, what product is going to serve that customer best. I'd be curious in your specific shop, are there like the one or two primary products where you see that the most? So definitely there is, for example, um, a good example when, when I think about ski boots, um, because, um, I'm, I'm like the head boot fitter at our, at our shop also. And I, yeah, I get like, uh, let's say like 85% of all the, um, I get hundred percent of the difficult ones and 85% of all the boot fitting stuff to do. Um, and I have a great group. Cool, cool people. Uh, yeah, shout, shout out to Alex and and Tim. They are doing an, a tremendous good job at the shop of boot fitting and stuff, and they're really on on on, on a good game. Um, but last winter, literally, like I'd say, like maybe it's two, yeah. Every third customer, like I'm talking about guys, yeah. Every third customer is coming in. Hey, you get the the technical Koshi's one thirty? Said, yeah, sure. Okay, because my friends told me it's the best boot. And um, sometimes, if you know that you, if you, if you, 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 you can feel how far you can go with the customer over like the experience. Um, so when I was a student, I was already working in in in, in ski shops. So I'm I'm yeah I'm within the ski industry nearly for like twenty years now. So um, then with with a customer, you feel quite like relaxed with the customer. You can say, huh. So your feet already told you that the boot is fitting you, huh? And then maybe it's it's a good joke, or sometimes the customer thinks, "Oh, what an asshole!" Uh, <laughs> uh, so and then he said, hmm, "No, I'm, I don't know. It's just my friends told me." And said, "Okay, good that you have an appointment. Get your socks off, and we will check your feet." And um, then mostly from the first look on, on on naked feet, you see, huh? Is that a technical foot or is it not? For example. And uh, when the customer is still convinced because that orange is a cool color, he thinks, and his buddies, buddies are the best skiers on the mountain, so he has to go with, with what his, his buddies say. Then you do a shell check with the customer. The customer gets into the boot with his naked feet without a liner in, and then you already can say, hey, do you feel something? Yeah, I'm touching everything. I said, huh, okay. So then you can tell the customer, okay, you see, there's no liner, no insole, no nothing. And you're already touching everything. You still think that this might be your boot. Um, and then you have the ones that, no, but I still like it. So can you fit it? And um, if it's possible, of course, then it's, it, it, he goes the, 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 the way of money and he has to pay for a, a ton of stuff he has to get done on his boot. 
And on the other side, uh, he says, hmm, you're totally right. Good that they came to your shop because I was actually about to buy it online. So that's, that's for example, that was definitely last season. Um, like, let's say that that was the one boot every, a lot of customers were talking about. And in the end, I would say only 20% bought that boot because it, it was not the right boot for their feet. So that's, that's always... Um, boots are a difficult thing. They are, you can talk about boots like shell quality-wise or liner quality-wise and can explain a boot, um, which plastico is used inside of a boot or how good uh, the liner is made or what uh, are the benefits of a certain liner in a certain boot. But to say, hmm, that boot works for me, so that must be the best boot on the market. And I will tell that all my friends and all my customers... Um, it's it's a, a, a little like an anecdote is um, a, f a few let's say most of the people who are working in my shop um, they have one ski brand that they really really like and it's for most of them it's the same one um, it's it's coming from uh, Reno Nevada so most of your listeners should know which which <laughs> brand I'm talking about and um, I always tell them. That does not mean that every one of your customers wants to have that ski. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and you don't have to tell the customer. Hey, and by the way, the only ski you can you can buy is, is the ski from that brand or any ski from that brand. That's just your personal perspective because you kind of got hooked in it. If if the if you if you give the customer a demo ski and he gets hooked or she gets hooked in it, fine. Um, but you you have to be objective and just tell, yeah, explain the product and and then come back to the needs of the customer. And uh, that's the that's the same of people running in the shop and say, hey, I need this and this. So I still can remember uh, on my last uh, podcast rodeo where I had that with Sam. I was talking about um, at that time customers were coming in the shop and said, hey, my friends told me I need an orange ski. And at that time, the fanciest orange ski on the market was a Black Crow's Nocta. And uh, that's like five, four or five years ago. And everyone thought about, I need a Nocta. And that ski, uh, I think it's 125 underfoot uh -huh. or something. And um, when the customer afterwards tells you, yeah, I ski about eight days and six are on groomers with my family. And on two days, I go park skiing. Then you definitely don't need a powder ski. But the friends told him. And then sometimes you have customers who say, no, my friends told me, so I go to the next shop because they're going to sell, sell that ski to me. And um, I always try to put everyone in the shop in a situation that they are allowed to say no to a deal and say, no, I'm not sure that you're buying f a, fun, a fun day on the mountain. You're buying not what I think is going to help you out and... So uh, then I tell everyone who's working in the shop, guys, if, if, if they're not following your advice or if you're not really getting into a talk where you can maybe explain the customer why you don't think this might going to work and he or maybe maybe we are wrong and he can tell you, yes, I'm totally fine with the decision. I, I want to have it this way and I totally understand you. 
then it's a different thing. But walking out of, out of the shop and going on the mountain, then think about, ah, Jesus, I just bought a ski for 700 bucks and it sucks like hell. That's not great because a ski that's, that's already drilled, there are holes in, so you can't go back to the shop and say, guys, here, take that ski back. So then your 700, 800, 900, 1,000 bucks are done and you can do it again next winter. And that's, by the way, the same with buying boots online. So everyone out there, don't buy boots online. Yeah. And I mean, that's how like we at, we talk about this in every single boot review we publish. We just say like, look, we'll give you our take on this boot and we'll give you a lot of detail. But we always say like, go to your, go to the best boot fitter you can and travel, make the trip. It's worth it. And then just get whatever actually fits your foot the best. And that's why we always do talk about like, man, if you can find that really good trusted boot fitter, then the boot the boot thing becomes a conversation, right? And it's a conversation between the customer and the boot fitter getting the fit right. And then hopefully the boot fitters listening to what the customer, where the customer actually skis, how- that, That's another very, sorry to interrupt no, you. That's please. another very, very, very important question. So when people come to the shop, the first the first 10 minutes is just talking. It's, it's talking about where you're skiing, what you're skiing, what ski do you have? What biting do you use? What are you actually plans this season? Yeah. So, so for example, a, a customer comes in or she or he, he they want to have a touring uh, boot. Yeah, but that's such a wide range. You can have an 850 gram touring boot, but you can also have a, a, a 1,700 gram touring boot. You can have a hybrid boot that tours well. You, and it's and sometimes um, you, you what 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 I see a lot when I'm on the mountain um, setups that don't fit together actually. Maybe, maybe again, I'm wrong, but from my perspective, um, it, it just does not make sense uh, selling like super lightweight boots with uh, like heavy skis or whatever, or a, a lightweight binding goes on a too strong ski and there are sometimes things are running around or the wrong boot and the wrong binding and it, like the sole norm is not even matching the binding. And it's, it's, it's crazy sometimes what, 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 what you see on the market uh, or what you see on the mountain. And um, just coming back to uh, my online uh, quote is, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, I keep that saying also to my customers. I, I can hear you that there are super good deals out on the market. So for example, right now in Europe, you can get at least every single boot already on a 9 to 15% discount. It's crazy. The season that has not even started really. And it's it's already discounted, and that's something. I'm 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 sorry, guys. It's that's not happening in our shop. So um, because service, kind of, um, we we can't put like a ton of service uh, into a product and then already discount it before something or something has happened. Because one thing is for sure, the on the internet is not fitting your boots, and it's also not scanning your boots. Not not right now. Maybe in I don't know, ten years. And we will have uh, a 3D printed boots and you just have your scanner at home. It scans everything. You send your data uh, to some website or boot manufacturer and they make you a 3D printed boot. Sounds, sounds crazy, but that won't put us boot fitters out of business because I, I'm pretty sure that they still need 
some adjustments. <laughs> yeah, and I think I at some point, if and when things ever slow down a bit, there's an article that I'm going to write because I've been thinking about this for years. And the title basically is, what is the cost of the cheapest thing? And I think that we, look, in modern European society and modern North American society, we really are consumers. We're almost consumers first and foremost, whether that's consumers of goods, consumer, consumers of media, like we are consumers. And I think that we still need to do a lot more sophisticated thinking and clear thinking about this notion of just running and whether it's finding the most like the free most disposable content and so we're just sitting there scrolling on phones all day long and just wasted seven hours because that was free for us to do quote unquote free except documentaries like the social dilemma if anybody would like to check that out it's not free right and this notion of well i'm just gonna go buy the boot or the ski, wherever I can get it slightly cheaper, these things actually have broader costs. And if we're only looking at the price tag itself, we're fucking stupid and we're short-sighted. And that's how we start to undermine real communities, you know, like the communities that we're the most passionate about. And so what I'm not interested in doing is having people overpay where there is not real value, right? I don't think they should. So I am not making a case for like, go overpay, you know, pay more than the actual value you get. But what I am trying to get people to do is understand that it is not just the number on a price tag. That is not even a remotely accurate indicator of real value or real expense. So anyway, that's the preview of the article. I need to write it. I mean, I'm, I really, really think it matters. And I know it's something that like good shops that are offering good service, they have to deal with this all the time. And that's frankly part of why I'm interested in having like helping put shitty shops out of business. If you're not good and you're not providing a lot of value, go the fuck away. And that means we need to kind of redirect the, the flow of traffic and the flow of dollars to those shops that are servicing the communities and the sports that we love. We need to support those and the mediocre ones. It's it's natural selection and you got to go. Yeah, but I'm definitely looking, looking forward to read that because that's a, a thing where, where I'm also yeah thinking a lot about it. And like on the on the on, on the one hand side, um, like on like TV ads, like we over here, we got taught over the last 10 years that saving money, only buying deals, that's the best thing you can, you can do actually. It was all about cheap, 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 yeah, like all sale prices, sale prices, sale prices. And um, I, I, I'm now since like, since with, with my own shop since 10 years, I now slightly start accepting that I can't spin the wheel of this winter sports industry back in those times and, and maybe save oh, safe is a too big word uh, but I can't spin the t uh, the wheel back so this the winter sports industry is how it is and that for example means in, for Europe you can get everything on a certain discount from September 
till end of season. And that's actually a, a, a crazy thing. And I, I, I can hear or can sometimes also understand customers that they say, oh, Jesus, 650 euros, 700 euros for a ski boot, or in the US, $900 for a ski boot. That's a hell of a, a lot of money. And, and a, a nice pair of skis, around $700, $800. But when you think about your accommodation, your ski resort and everything else, that's not the biggest part in the end. Um, But on the other side, for example, every two years when I have a lot of new people working for me in the shop, uh, we have a good connection to uh, the guys from Dalbello, um, uh, Italian boot manufacturer, and um, their factory is um, like 80 kilometers north of Venice. So it's a cool thing, traveling to Venice, uh, going to, uh, to the factory and showing uh, the factory to the, to, to the boys from the shop. And then I tell everyone always, See, guys, 140 people are working at this factory. Some, there's a lady, she's working 40 years already and building ski boots. And when we all, when the industry and the customers keep playing uh, the price game and want to push everything more and more down and get, get, like, get the, the, uh, the end product to a lower price, I, I bet with you that in, in, in a couple of years, Not anymore. 140 people are working in Asolo Ita Italia, so it's then it's at Dalbello only like maybe 60 people are working because um, the product got so cheap they can't afford uh, uh, the human uh, the human power anymore. And and I also bet that it will not be good for the product in the end. So I, I, I know it's always easy to to say that as a shop owner and everyone thinks yeah of course he wants to make more money. I'm 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 sorry to say. Of course, we need to sell stuff, but um, um, and and we need also to pay bills and everything. But in in the end, I would say I definitely care more about the sport and uh, the product that is coming out of it than 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 the rest. And um, of course, I'm I'm I, I would be stoked if we would have uh, um, another conversation, let's say in 10 years and 15 years and black sheep and blisters still running and we are still here. That would mean that we both made a tremendous good job over the last years. I think this is, you know, to wrap up this, this portion of our conversation, I, I think that it's just a good time. And I'm sure there are people who are thinking about these issues in a much more sophisticated way than I am. I, I don't mean to, you know, suggest otherwise, but I think for all of us to just think again about what are you? Are you a passionate surfer? Are you a passionate mountain biker? Are you a passionate skier? In this case, we're talking about skiing. And I think for us to just think harder about the community of skiing Where do we ski? Are we skiing in a ski area? Are we skiing in a backcountry? What does it mean to do either of those things in a responsible manner? You know, who are, do we need, do we need, um, you know, lift chair operators to run those, to run those chair lifts for us? Do we need boot fitters, you know, to provide good service so that we're actually able to go enjoy a day in the mountains. And once we start thinking about who all the people are that are actually providing value and, and not just providing value, but like making these sports actually possible, including the, the boot, including the boot maker 
you know, at Dal Bello, who's been doing it for 40 years. That's the way to start really thinking about, I think, the real cost and the real price and the real value in these things. And it's not just about a price tag. And furthermore, again, in case this wasn't clear, if you're buying from some online shop that doesn't do provide any service other than offering something at the cheapest possible price, think twice because they're providing no other value and in fact, arguably, are becoming a bit of a drain and siphoning off sort of the lifeblood of these communities. I think I don't think that's overstating it. I talk to a lot of ski manufacturers and boot manufacturers and the rest in this game all the time. And I can tell people listening to this, this isn't just Sebastian, you know, make like telling this or laying out this case. This is everybody in the game. You know, we all have a part in this and we all play a role. And so anyway, I hope that doesn't sound too preachy or anything. It's just these are facts is what they are. De definitely. And um, it's it's also the question how it's going to look. It's let, Let's just keep the pandemic by sight, but how is... Um, the, the shopping itself, how this is going to happen in the future? Is it is it all going towards like a, like brand to customer stuff? And in the end, a shop like mine, for example, only needs to be a service shop. So we, for example, we only fit boots that were bought online somewhere else, or, or we only mount skis that were bought somewhere else, and we have no inventory in the end anymore. Uh, because everything is drop ship and you go into some like showrooms looking shops and you can't pick up anything because it will be sent uh, to to your home address within like hours or 24 hours or whatever it's um, I still think and I'm 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 a huge follower of of your podcast and everything and I'm, I I hear I'm I'm astonished sometimes I hear a couple of these like 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 uh, like, like like that said, smaller or, 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 or even like people who are for a long, long time within the game that they say it's more about direct to consumer. It's more about direct to a consumer. But I still see that a shop has still it. It needs this. Uh, we 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 need shops. And I okay, maybe I'm I'm saying that because I'm a shop guy. But um, I I think that shops still have a very very important role within the ski industry and also bike industry it doesn't matter it's it's a place where people can come together meet for example new friends get connected to uh, other people um, learn something about products because when everything goes uh, direct to consumer um, all those brands have to be safe that i don't know like 20 hardcore skiers or passionate people are sitting on the phone and can tell you everything about the product and I don't, for example, in Europe, I don't see that uh, uh, coming to us so far. Um, it's more something I, uh, because I'm really watching, trying to follow up with everything. I can see that uh, this model more in more in the U.S. with uh, ski brands and outerwear brands and everything. Um, for example, like uh, one of the brands, uh, Ski Wise, where we started in the shop with, and we where we had a very very good friendship connection also was forefront skis and now that's uh, a, 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 a direct to consumer brand um, and you, you can't really get that in, in the shop you can't get that in Europe anymore um, and um, for example also with outerwear we were always looking for for fresh and new stuff that was not known in Europe at that time and I, a friend of mine was in 2011 working for 
true outerwear. And um, they got known in shops. And as far as they were known for something, or at least uh, I thought uh, this way, they turned into B2C. And suddenly the shops were the bad guys because the shop one is the one who's taking all the margin. Jesus, guys, uh, we are sitting all in one boat and we are trying to, um, yeah, be, uh, yeah, we're just trying to be together within the ski industry. And of course, there's always, there will always be someone who's maybe benefiting a few percent more than the other one. But um, blaming shops that they're maybe like ruining, ruining like just the ski game, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's it's from it's from for me personally it's it's difficult to accept that yeah because maybe i just have too much passion well it's interesting right and i think that to me this is where this comes back to like on the one hand at a very bottom line the math has to work right like the math has to work the math has to work for your ski shop the math has to work for say a forefront or a true but to me part of the problem where I look at this is like, so I, I'm, I'm actually not mad if, if a brand decides the math has to work for us and that means we have to try to go it direct to consumer. Okay. For me, I continue to come back to, I just think we have too many shops out there that are not good, that they're just not that up on the product itself. And so when customers walk in, they're getting a very mediocre marginal experience. And that's why like we still love talking to and working with the really exceptional shops out there. You know, and I think that I don't know, but like so at a certain line what we've been saying in this conversation, I care about keeping the really good shops around. And I think one of the ways to do that is the the mediocre shops have to go. There isn't room. There isn't room. And I also believe like, you know, hey, that's natural selection. And I think if we can get more like consumers to be more and more informed about these things, well, ultimately the consumers are going to get to place their bets, right? And again, figure out where the real value is being provided and that is one of the where, ways where I think that like, you know, so yeah, I, I kind of agree with you in the like, as a general marketing tactic, the idea that shops are the problem, I'm definitely not willing to say that as a kind of blanket generalization, but I do think there is a problem with shops. And to me, it's, I'm just not, I'm just not going to defend this whole notion of like buy local. I always say, frankly, to that, I don't give a shit about local. I give a shit about great local, right? Like, don't don't come and try to guilt trip people into buying local just because you happen to be there. No, the onus is on you, local shop, to actually be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Totally on the same page because um, it's 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 about the value we have to offer. And yeah. uh, I, I I see that. Um, I'm I'm a little bit you know more more relaxed than maybe the people who are working at the shop sometimes, and they are coming to me after we are closing, and say, "Hey, Sebastian, it was again. I had to deal with three boots. They were wrong size. It was everything wrong." 
and um, I, and and I just did my best to get all that mistakes out of the way again. And for the one customer, I had really to explain her or him um, that I'm totally sorry. I can't actually help you because, as you can see after the explanation, that's not the right boot, and and that's also not good because people already spent money and. Um, Maybe that now sounds arrogant a bit from, from my side, but we are then sitting there and have to explain to the customer, I'm so sorry, that's not going to work. And if you're going to like invest in, in me like two or 300 bucks in boot fitting, um, we will get a, like, like an average result or maybe a good result, but we are not talking about a very good or even perfect result. And for the money you're investing, I can't actually recommend to do that to you. And of course, there are those days when you're sitting on the couch at a long, after a long day and you say, huh, I, I'm, I'm not the, the service company for ski shop or sports shop XY. Um, but on the other side, if you can offer a value service and the customer sees what you're doing and that you're really trying to do the best you can, then I always tell everyone uh, who comes new to the shop and is working for, uh, for, at Black Sheep, always remember you normally see everyone twice in, in your life. And at the first time, maybe he thought or she thought, oh, that's way too expensive. I'm going to go with the internet way. And um, I know that in forum xy maybe like on 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 any given website uh like silver server 81 told me that uh, the koshi's boot is the best boot on the market i maybe should believe uh, uh, silver server and not uh, sebastian and, and his crew or at any other good uh, ski shop and then they make their their experience and maybe the experience is <sighs> just the way yeah you 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 thought of and it's not going to be good and everything is is, is is bad with the boot and then they are coming back next year and they say you guys were right here are my feet or here is my wish for my ski i will bite in the um, sour apple let's how we say here in germany and um get uh and, and and pay more than i actually wanted to but um i am a passionate skier and i i i, I learned my lessons and uh, because buying cheap sometimes um i i made that mistake on my own with with other stuff yeah when you want to save some money sometimes it works out but i bet we all experienced it that we thought, oh, that deal is so good, so I go with this one. And then afterwards, you thought, oh, damn, would I have went the path with the more expensive product or um, the product that's actually coming from the manufacturer and it's not like a copy of it? I would not have to re return to the shop 20 times or whatever. So sometimes it's investing money, especially, again, with ski boots. Um, I can really recommend everyone going to... A Good uh, uh, or known or recommended by friends because friends will never recommend you a, a shitty shop. Um, so go to shop that it's recommended by your friends that are happy with their ski boots. Go there, talk to the boot fitters and the sales guys. They will definitely help you and they will do a great job for you. In the end, on a ski, if you're a good skier, you can ski on every ski. Some skis will, uh, yeah make more fun some some less but if you have a boot that's too big or uh, your heel is not fitting um, i bet every one of us at some uh, point of his uh, skiing life made this experience uh, a, a boot can be a nightmare 
one big takeaway for me from this last portion of our conversation is you and you articulated this. It's like every single time a customer walks into your shop, your reputation is absolutely on the line. And and the great shops and this is very much about the way that I think about the reviews that we publish on Blister, that it's like every single time we are about to publish a new review, that is our reputation. That is either going to somebody's going to read that and that is either going to instill more trust or less trust. Right. And it's the exact same thing walking into a into a good shop or any shop. It's like, did that encounter and interaction just instill more trust or less trust, you know, from from that person who came in? And I don't know, maybe that's not the worst way for all of us to try to be thinking about how do we stay at a really high level and keep raising the bar? You know, that's why I'm on record. I've talked about it in the past that like when we get a new reviewer at Blister, I've said like, it feels like we've rolled a grenade into our tent. And I'm like, you know, we have developed and I think earned a credibility over the last decade because we try crazy hard to put out clear and accurate information. So some newbie coming in, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. You got to develop and earn that trust. And, you know, and then because every time we go live, that is our credibility on the line. And it's kind of the same for every single shop interaction, actually. Yeah, especially with um, the, let's say, like the small and medium one shops with the shops. Um, they maybe call themselves uh, uh, specialized shops or core shops. Um, our mistakes that we are doing, and I'm, I, I bet I can speak for, for all those shops, um, when we do a mistake, that mistake uh, is like it's on the table, and uh, it's very difficult to 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 get out of this situation. If a big chain shop is doing a mistake, most of the customers do not really care because uh, they went there for a different reason. They might went there because it's uh, it's easier to get there. It's bigger. They have everything. All the price is the, is, is the point in the end. So if you're not happy with one sales guy at this uh, five-story big uh, um, two and a half thousand square meter sports shop, sport shop, then you just pick your product by your own or go to another sales guy. If you, let's say, me or one of my guys messed it up with one customer, that guy's not coming back and he's telling everyone, um, hey, I had a bad experience, the shop is way too small, you're, going, you're not getting everything and there are just a bunch of cool guys hanging around and just don't go there. So within the first five to 10 minutes, we have to like break the ice, do everything we can, show everyone, especially who, who, when someone is coming new to the shop, and um, just show the customer that people in shops like these do care and love the sports of ski. I should let you get going, but as you know, one of the things we like to do on Gear 30 is wrap up with the uh, talk about what we're celebrating this week. Would you like to volunteer? Um, definitely, because I actually, um, I know that you're always doing this. And <laughs> uh, I know that uh, you also sometimes involve like uh, like personal stuff and uh, what you're celebrating and what you're grateful and thankful about. I, I'm just thankful that we um, well, I was standing with my guys in the shop yesterday and we opened the shop and that's what I'm I'm celebrating the start of the Black Sheep Sports winter season 
And um, I'm, we are happy. We are here. We're looking forward to serve the customers. And that's what we are celebrating. We're celebrating skiing. We're celebrating skiing. It's pretty cool to have skiing back on our horizon. I, I sure know that uh, all of us here are, well, I'm still having a lot of fun riding bikes right now. But my brain is starting to turn to those turns on snow, and that's going to be really fun. But it is really funny to me that it is talking with you over the last several days and like knowing that you were just popping your shop open, it kind of felt somehow to me like the start of my winter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so thank you for kind of providing that. Yeah, I play the ball back. Thank you, Jonathan, for the uh, second opportunity to be uh, on the show. It's always a pleasure to be uh, with you. And uh, I really can recommend everyone listen to the podcast, guys. It's uh, so much cool content and um, all the different ones. It's, um, it always saves my ride home. Thank you. <laughs> Well, glad we could glad we could be of service. We're going to be checking in with you again over the course of this season and next time I want to talk more specifically about some specific gear and some of the stuff that you're particularly high on or go into that. Next time we're going to go micro and get into some details about specific products if that sounds all right. Cool. Super cool. Looking forward to do that. All right, man. Hey, appreciate the time and congrats on surviving uh, an interesting summer and having your doors open again at Black Sheep and, you know, wishing you and your crew all the best there. Say hi to them for me. Okay, I will do. Thank you, Jonathan. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that is it for this edition of Gear 30. And don't forget to order your copy of our print buyer's guide on the Blister website. Check out our other podcasts that we've been dropping. If you want to laugh, you should check out our Off the Couch podcast that we posted earlier this week, where I stupidly went and ran a 5K with like a super badass, basically professional ultra runner. I don't know what I was thinking. And so you can check that out, you know, or go back and check out to see if you've missed any of our other podcasts over at Bikes and Big Ideas or Blister Podcast, etc. I also want to, of course, say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And thanks to all of you for listening, and especially those of you who've taken just like 10 seconds to leave us that nice little five-star rating in Apple Podcasts. Come on, if you're listening to this right now and you haven't done that, I'm guessing you've probably listened to at least five or 10 of these episodes. It's time. I think it's time. Drop that rating. Anyway, thanks, everybody. Please take good care of yourself and everybody else. We are going to go back to putting the final touches on this buyer's guide, and then we will talk to you again on Gear 30 next Friday. Take care, everybody.